The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Happy to be with you all. I'm just very delighted to be able to spend this morning with you all. And... Um, The topic I brought with me, one part of it is fear. (laughs) I feel a little something (laughs) need to just name that. And and there is also a second part, and that is uh, how to establish fearless relationships with fear. And so don't panic. So there, are the, there is this two sides uh, with um, today's topic. And so and the word fear itself may bring a wide range of um, emotions and reactivities or responses inside of us. But we can't deny that uh, fear is a very potent emotion in our human lives. And and it arises in all kinds of, um, maybe arises from all kinds of uh, aspects of our lives, all kinds of dimensions of our lives can arise out of uh, physical challenges, illness, aging, death, and can arise out of emotional responses of something, the loss of loss of loved ones, loss of uh, financial stability, and, you know, all kinds of loss can evoke uh, an emotional response and can be a, a psychological um, kind of uh, fear, uh, maybe a sense of a self, a self-image, um, a sense of who we are gets challenged, and there can arise a fear of some different kinds. And even in the uh, spiritual dimension, um, there can be uh, fear arise. And so for um, many people who practice in the Buddhist tradition, and maybe many other uh, spiritual traditions, religious traditions, they will come to a point uh, where there is a recognition that all kinds of things that we thought uh, we have reliance on Actually, we can't really rely on them because they're ever changing. It feels like the rug gets pulled from under, and that can be a terrifying kind of sense. And so there can be a spiritual fear um, arise even in the uh, in the in this domain. So it's quite pervasive, um, and yet. And how do we understand fear and how do we relate fear, relate with this emotion um, is a big part of our um, Buddhist um, practice. And and then I want to say is there is a way that we can relate to this um, strong uh, force within each of us uh, wisely, compassionately, and so that this can be a force that is rather transformative, 
rather than we feel like we're narrowed down or limited and getting stuck by this. And so, um, so I kind of decided we'll talk about this uh, in two dimensions. So the first part of this talk will be we uh, learn a little bit about a fear and then we understand it a little bit. And so I thought, and I looked it up, uh, the definition, the dictionary definition of a fear actually is a pretty good one. And so I thought I'm just going to start right there. And the dictionary definition of a fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by, here is a whole list of keywords to pay attention to. So it's an a unpleasant uh, emo, uh, emotion caused by belief, perception, imagination, uh, recognition, expectation of some kind of danger or threat which leads to pain. There's a lot in this definition right here. I was amazed when I read this. And so... Uh, Let's tease this apart a little bit. The first one is fear is an unpleasant emotion. I think we all know this, right? I think all of us experienced some kind of fear, worry, and it's unpleasant. It's an unpleasant kind of emotion. And it arises out of causes and conditions. So it's not just something randomly pop up. But the causes and conditions is this long list of keywords here. Perception, belief, expectations, imaginations, and recognitions of some kind of danger that's there. And this is a fascinating. Uh, when, I, when I saw this word, imagination, I realized, wow, how many times we are afraid because we have certain imagination about a kind of a threat. I mean, this is an earthquake zone. <laughs> you know, we're actually on a fault. IMC is an earthquake fault. And, and if we can, if we start imagining what this might happen, we could be panicking right now. And so many of our fear kind of arise out of that. And, um, I'd like to differentiate a little bit here, uh, which is quite important in this definition, uh, the difference between danger and fear. So danger we can't avoid um, by being human. We have a human body, mind, heart. Uh, there is danger in this world, um, like the potential danger of an earthquake right here. And the danger, we can't deny it's, uh, um, it exists. And, you know, we have a danger that I didn't walk properly and break my leg, right, getting off <laughs> this platform. <laughs> and that's a possibility. But the danger doesn't necessarily mean fear. A lot of times we mix these two things up. I think a danger means it's fear. You know, we're going to immediately worry and immediately panicking. But that's not necessarily so. Um, 
there is a kind of primal response that's a survival response that built into this system in response to a danger. Like, you know, a, uh, a car comes in front of you, you, you jump out. That's primal instinct. It doesn't necessarily mean immediately we're going to panic. And we actually just know that we get out of the way to be safe. But it's true that often uh, fear can happen. But I'll tease that apart a little bit. I want to stay with this point of danger doesn't necessarily mean fear. You all probably have heard a lot of <clears throat> um, stories of great Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, who spoke about um, um, people sitting on the refugee boat to go across ocean, um, it's dangerous, no doubt. But if one person is calm and peaceful, the whole boat can be saved. A whole boat of people might survive this. But if everybody panicked, nobody might survive and it's possible in this situation that someone is calm. And that is possible. And you can say, oh, wow, you know, that's Zen master. <laughs> I'm not really sure and that's possible. So I want to give a personal uh, example. And, and that uh, I think all of you probably have experienced something like this. But for me, this personal example was uh, quite powerful in my own um, in my own experience, in my own kind of path of a practice. So this was uh, some years ago. I was uh, driving and I was emerging on an expressway uh, on the kind of from the right hand, a uh, right hand side, and I um, I saw a jeep coming uh, towards on this lane that I was merging on. It was a very fast uh, driving, but it was very far away. So I thought, okay, you know, they will see me. I will be able to merge. They can change a lane. So you know, I had just this few thoughts, and I said, okay, I'm going to go. So I merged onto this express lane. And as soon as I got onto the lane, I looked back from the uh, rear mirror. This Jeep wasn't going to so slow down or changeling, and the people in this jeep were waving and shouting, and I just thought, wow, this is not stable. I'm not really sure what this jeep is going to do. So I felt the danger right there, and um, so my instinct was to pull off uh, the lane, completely got to the sidewalk, and I I guess the shoulder, and I pulled off, and I just stopped right there and the, the jeep zoom you know just zipped through me and the people were still shouting and yelling and and right at the, that moment what came to me was may you be safe may you know peace may you know the deepest deepest of well-being i kind of surprised myself i was like wow okay I didn't panic, and, and um, I didn't curse them. <laughs> I said, that, that just came spontaneously. Um, and I recognized that was a powerful moment 
learning moment for me that it's not automatic that we would just become panicky or we become um, angry or even have rage. and uh, That doesn't have to be the case. And so that was a really powerful moment for me to recognize. And that was a possibility. And that was a moment of uh, the fruit of a practice showing up. Not so much about me and, you know, I did something. It wasn't. It was, it was just spontaneously came. That, um, but, but by recognizing that, um, I came to have so much trust and a confidence in the practice. I know, yeah, next time something like this, I might trip again, because that's just, you know, habit forces to have that. But it doesn't have to be the only way. So through the practice, uh, some other possibility can become available to us. I think maybe each of you have those moments that you can recognize, wow, okay, you know, it's not automatic that we should, we're all just going to be panicking in situation X, Y, y Z. And so there is a different, a different possibility. Um, <clears throat> but <laughs> it is true. Sometimes you all probably have noticed that, and that um, it often happens that even when we got out of the in, uh, got out of the danger, like you jump out of um, the racing car coming at you, fear can come immediately after that. And why? And this definition give a, a pretty good uh, explanation. Or you could, we could notice this ourselves. We can begin to imagine what could have happened. Well, that is scary. Even though we're out of the danger, we're kind of safe now. But that imagination can happen. That belief can happen. Wow, this could have been really bad. And building upon that imagination, we now can start panicking. And we can begin to have a fear. So this is very interesting. This is very interesting. And so many times, our fear and worry can happen like that, even though we're not physically or even emotionally in the danger zone. We can have this downstream sequence and of reactivity. And so the deep root in this process is that uh, fear is a reactive movements, emotional movements, based on this set of imaginations and beliefs and perceptions of something dangerous that may be there. Um, but it's a, a form, the deep root of this is, in the present moment, we're not clearly seeing and knowing what is really happening here. We do not see that we're actually in a safe zone right now. We do not see, oh, this is my imagination at work, or this is a kind of a perception that's at work. 
And we also do not see, oftentimes, that the fear is present. It's just a form of emotion that's present. And so what can happen is often fear doesn't stop at just this momentary movement of the emotion. We can become frozen, and we can become frustrated, and we can become angry, we can become depressed, and, you know, we can get very contracted, and, you know, we may even do something harmful to ourselves and others. And so there is this whole sequence of reactivity that can happen that become, in fact, rather dangerous to ourselves and to others. And so, um, that's some kind of some understanding about this, that there's a fear, maybe just kind of from our logical mind and conceptual, conceptual mind. But I also don't want to diminish this um, we're not alone in this department. It's not like we get, you know, more specialized in this department. And and this is a strong force um, now and strong force thousands of years ago. I was looking into the suttas and Pali Canon suttas, and it was interesting in our uh, Buddhist tradition, most people know the uh, three unwholesome roots of greed, hatred, delusion. Uh, but in fact, if you look at the suttas, there's a whole set of a suttas that talks about the list of four <laughs> with a fear in it. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's a strong force. And so that's one of those uh, in the list of the three that we often know. Um, and so it's, it's a strong force. But I'm going to shift to talk about, and there is a possibility to, uh, through our practice, to begin to establish uh, some more wholesome relationship or skillful relationships with um, this form of emotion called fear. Uh, this is what I call fearless relationships. And so I'll unpack a little bit about that. And the first thing, uh, maybe, is to write along what we've been speaking about so far. Uh, the first kind of relationship that's helpful to establish with fear is this word, befriending fear. Befriending fear. And this is part of us being human. And um, befriending, when we befriend something, we can know, we can learn about them, and we can begin to understand them. Uh, when we have kind of aversive and push away and get rid of a runaway kind of relationship, we can't know them. We just can't know them. And so the first uh, step in this whole process of establishing skillful relationships is to befriend. Befriend our fear. It's like um, if you have a terrified child. Um, if you're meeting a terrified child, 
You don't want to just beat them up or, you know, trying to make them happy. It doesn't happen like that. You give them a very kind, safe, open space for them to, to be, to feel that they can be themselves. And then they can soften, they can thaw in that field. And the same thing uh, is that's maybe analogy for being with our own uh, fear, our own emotion, is to make space so that the fear can feel safe to be here. And so they don't feel like we're going to, you know, fix them up right away. And so befriending fear. And there is a process to befriend fear. Um, It takes, you know, I'm going to just say a few steps. (laughs) It doesn't work, you know, mechanically like that, but I have to say something that feels a little logical. But the first thing is... um, uh, to be, befriend fear uh, is to come to a conscious relationship with it. If we're flowing in this unconscious stream of reactivities, we'll not even know that it ex- existed in us. We just keep on doing something to try to fix it up and getting rid of, or uh, we never really pay attention that it's here. So the first one is just to become aware, oh, this is present in me. And so that's the practice of mindful awareness. Uh, yeah, okay, I can pause for this. Now once I know that, the second step um, is to begin to feel and sense the texture of the fear and kind of um, the form of the fear and to get to know it. Now, I use this word deliberately, uh, feeling and sensing it, because the fear is a form of emotion. It doesn't speak necessarily English. Emotions are movements, they're motions. They move, it's an energy form in us that moves through. So often we use our logical mind, conceptual mind, to try to deal with emotions, oftentimes we'll find out, you know, I got this, you know, I want to get rid of it, and, you know, I I got a lot of strategies to deal with it. We know it doesn't quite work. Um, Emotions, you can think of it as if you're going to a different country that speaks different language from your, your language, you don't just keep talking with them <laughs> using your own language, you know. No one gonna understand you. But you can you can be in that environment at least for a while to observe them, to feel them, to kind of feel their body posture and, and you know, body language, facial language and how they move in the space and you kind of you can get a sense of how they are. You know, you're with your animals kinda of like that also, you know. Um, being with animals are kind of like that. In a way, it's kind of like our animal <laughs> nature being shown. So um, can we feel and sense into our emotions? And can we really listen? Not using necessarily all of our logics analysis to try to map it out. 
And that's very important. And I was looking up、um, at the Chinese characters. There's a whole ton of you know theory is not just one thing. So there are so many words that even in English、uh, that kind of are in this domain of、um, of、uh, fear in Chinese characters. And almost all of them have the character of a heart in it.、Um, It's quite somatic. You feel like heart quivers, or、um, heart feels constricted, or heart feels tight. It's kind of very somatic, and so we can get to know fear through our somatic experience, through an embodied sense. Get to know that. And so those are the two steps, and to kind of be- begin to understand and know to feel、uh, our emotions is to become aware, and to begin to really feel them and sense them. And at some point,、um, our logical mind、uh, may have some recognition of what is happening, but we don't want to have our logical conceptual mind to always dictate everything has to happen based on what I read in the book. You know, kind、okay, of let yourself really feel into this. And once we befriend fear, and we keep practicing this way, then、um, we can begin to open ourselves to new kind of relationships with this kind of emotion.、Um, and one of those really important relationships is to not be afraid. Of our fears. Oh, you know,、um, fear tend to have really bad rap, and so we almost automatically have a sense that it needs to go away. You know,、um, but it doesn't work that way. And so, for me, the turning point of my relationship with fear was this. Point and that I recognized. Oh, I don't have to be afraid of my own fear. Wow, that's liberating. Okay, you know you're allowed to have them, <laughs> but they don't have to just immediately go away, or I don't have to beat them up. And then, you know, yeah, I can just be not afraid of it. And so,、um, and so that's one possibility. And、uh, when we're not afraid, emotions are movements. They actually have a chance to move through us. We kind of have this more open space for it to move through us. And、um, befriending fear and becoming fearless of a fear creates possibilities for us to then、uh, establish. A wide range of wise relationships with fear. I think sooner or or later, we'll all know there is no one size fit all kind of way to be with this strong, potent、um, domain of our lives. And so we、um, we needed to learn a wide range of skills and maybe cultivate capacities to be able to relate. To fear,、um, 
And I use a couple of examples, and you know, because I said there's no one way. <laughs> so part of this is to discover for ourselves what might be needed at different times. Uh, sometimes uh, those emotions can be like tornado; they're very overpowering. You know, it's you know, in the middle of it, it's like wow, you know, it's just not steady, and it's really strong. We get swept away and. And how to be with that when it's very overpowering, overwhelming?、Uh, one thing to know is that、um, that is a strong form of energy. So we have a choice to redirect the energy, strong energy, in some other way. And so you can get. Physical meaning, <laughs> not to punch it away, <laughs>、um, but you can get moving, get going,、um, go for a hike, maybe a rigorous hike, and、um, go do some exercise or movements. And、um, being in nature sometimes allows us to have to, to shift that energy in some way. It's not helpful when that kind of strong form of、um, Uh, reactive energies are doing、uh, are doing its thing that we just gonna、um, get stuck with it. We kind of feel like there's absolutely no other option. But know that there are other options.、Um, in Chinese martial art, and、uh, there are forms of qigong that when you're moving with certain movements, it releases. Uh, certain emotions、uh, through the movements, and maybe in other、um, kind of movements, it has a certain kind of effect on that. And this is a、uh, skillful. It's not kind of some kind of escape. It's something that we come to know. Oh, this is the one way that I can be in this territory when it becomes overpowering. And、um, doing this, it's also kind of like、um, a Chinese medicine, and that is—I know I'm using a lot of Chinese things because that's my background、uh, in this domain. So it's like Chinese medicine that often it's not targeted, and so you work around it. You work around the system rather than kind of being with it. Being with it, we tend to get looped in and overpowered by it. And so,、uh, redirecting your energy into other、uh, forms can be very uh, useful. Uh, in uh, other cultural backgrounds, sometimes、uh, in really strong, powerful、uh, emotional reactivity forces,、uh, they are、uh, they know they and they don't have resources to be with that.、Uh, they chant. They come to a temple. They chant. They chant out loud. You know that kind of that that way of being with it. Some people take refuges and just come and bow to the Buddha, and bow to a Buddha statue.、Uh, it can be a way to kind of shift our orientation. And we don't. Not everyone have that culture、um, background or kind of that way of being. With a really strong force, and but that can be useful for、um, people, and for myself,、um, 
uh, in a strong way, say, I don't know what, what else I would do to be with this. I just come and really bow. I bow a lot. And when I finish, I feel, wow, something opens up in me. Or, or something that was really bothering me, I, it's not there anymore. Okay. I don't have to solve them. And um, maybe the last part uh, that I'll talk about. Oh, no, uh, there is another uh, aspect. So there is this overpowering uh, time. And then there are other times when uh, you feel you're resourced enough, you have the inner capacity uh, to be with the fear just as they are. Then you have a choice to, oh, I'm just going to be here and feel it, and see how it comes and how it goes, and, and just be with it. And there is um, um, a sutta in Majjhima Nikaya uh, called Fear and Dread. And this is uh, talking about um, the Buddha meeting his own fear and so uh, before he's uh, awakened. So he lives in the wilderness, you know, our fears come, <laughs> the tricks and making sound and something, you know, make sounds and fear comes. But, um, uh, and he said, you know, I've developed a lot of capacities, inner capacities to be with fear. So, so I'm going to be with this. And he used very specific language here. And he said, when I'm walking, if the fear arises, I'm not going to change my posture. I'm just going to walk and be with the fear until it goes away. And if the fear comes when I was sitting, I'm not going to change my posture. I'm just going to sit and be with the fear until it goes away. And, and so on and so forth with the different postures. It was um, quite interesting. What is appointing to is, it did not say that um, I'm going to, um, I'm going to do something different <laughs> to get rid of this or do something to fix it up. But Buddha has a deep understanding of the fear is a movement that comes and goes. And he has the capacity to just be with it without doing anything different. So not even changing the posture. And so this is the, uh, the notion of a being that with that terrified child that you don't do anything. The system has its own way to dissolve, to fade away. And as long as we are uh, waiting to be with this, that's good enough. That's good enough. Not only that, we can then really know fear in its raw way, not with what we believe needs to be you know, happening, something needs to be happening. So we can always go tinker with it. And there are always this force, you know, I got to do something, you know, get go interfere with this. No, it was the instruction was so simple. You know, fear comes when I'm walking, I'm just going to keep walking with it. 
So, and that's a possibility. Doesn't mean doesn't mean any of this is the only way, um, but it's an example of there may be a wide range of ways to be with fear. And the last piece that I'll talk about today <clears throat> is an. Um, as we uh, cultivate wise relationships with fear, we'll come to know that this is a gradual training. You know, it's not like, you know, we'll kind of, there will be a lot of times that uh, we get caught up or get stuck. Um, but there is a way to cultivate a whole set of inner capacities and resources and skills to become wiser and more compassionate with uh, fear. And I'll um, maybe name a few. This might worth yet another talk of its own. But I want to name a few. And so some of you are already cultivating this. And you know, yeah, that's part of working with a fear. And so the first one is to develop sila. Ethical conducts that can feel like a so far away, you know, what? it doesn't have anything to do with fear. Well, so many of our own worries and concerns and fears has to do with, oh, I did something not quite, uh, you know, that can cause the sense of a concern for ourselves and concern that we get blamed, our... I just kind of cause a lot of uh, emotions that doesn't sit in ourselves very well. And so when we know that we live in this world uh, not harming in the way of killing or taking something, lying, our heart and mind are at ease. And a whole host of kind of uh, fear and worry would just not come. And the Buddha himself, uh, in this discourse, uh, spoke about, yeah, no, I'm kind of really skilled in sila. I'm skilled in other um, capacities. The second one is develop samadhi, collected mind, settled mind, unified, composed uh, capacity. Samadhi is a very beautiful uh, inner resource And sometimes when we rest in this peaceful, quiet abiding, we allow things to move through us without being shaken by it. And some people will say, oh, you know, that feels like a spiritual bypass. Not necessarily. If this is the only way you deal with fear, (laughs) I have to say, yeah, you may want to look into it. But this can be a skillful resource if this is one of the ways that that you can use to um, to meet with the strong emotions or different kinds of ways in, uh, meet with the emotions. And samadhi is also a very healing place. A lot of physical uh, things can heal. A lot of emotional things can, can heal in this uh, samadhi space. And, and we don't have to do anything. And the third one is develop um, panya. And some, some of you know this is sila, samadhi, and panya, uh, three parts of the practice. Panya is wisdom. And we spoke a little bit about de- developing wise relationships. 
and some of the deeper insight into the nature of our own、uh, being and nature of、um, our our lives. Uh, when we have,、um, when they become available to us in our own lived experience,、um, it allows us to become become wise with many things, not just fear, but many、uh, things. And so, for example,、uh, one of the three key、uh, insights that arise through the cultivation of apanya is the.、Uh, um, Anicca, impermanence, and so when we know fear is impermanent, emotions are impermanent, and we know that deeply within ourselves, then we can begin to have、um, a different relationship with it. It's when we only feel like we're so stuck; this is never going away. You know, <laughs> then we kind of like we start having you know this kind of. Uh, a different relation, a kind of you know feisty relationship. But but when we know deeply, this is moving, this is flow, this is impermanent. Something else can open up.、Um, developing Brahma Viharas, loving kindness, compassion,、uh, equanimity, joy. And so, for me, that example I use of merging onto express lane is some of this、um, Brahma Viharas practice、uh, has a momentary fr-、uh, fruit, a bearing fruit in that moment. In fact, the story about the meta practice came about. The monks got haunted by the tree spirit. <laughs> like, like, oh, I can't practice here. And then the Buddha said,、uh, "You know, I'm going to teach you a loving kindness practice." And so they become fearless <laughs> with the tree spirit. <laughs> the last one, but the not the least one,、um, is Kalyanamita. It's so good. We don't have to do this alone.、Um, we can practice this together. And this roomful and all the people who are on YouTube. If we are in a dangerous situation right now, here together. And there's one person in this situation can express peace. Wow, that gives everybody a possibility. It doesn't mean that we have to be like that all the time, but if one us, one of us in one situation have a capacity to show up with calm and ease and love, that's good enough. And so we don't have to do this alone, and we're always being affected by each other. And so allow that to uplift us, and to allow all of our own practice, maybe to affect people all around. So I'm going to end that、uh, with this note、uh, by just appreciating us practicing together. And、um, explore Dharma together, and may this benefit all beings everywhere.